0: We are rolling. It is draft week, and the Kansas City Chiefs are about to be on the clock in a number of different ways. Their board is set. So is mine. We're going to break it down today on Locked On Chiefs. From the land
1: of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked On Chiefs podcast.
0: Welcome to Locked On Chiefs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, which means it's your team every day, everywhere, starting on YouTube and now to every audio platform you can find. Like, sub, and hit the bell on YouTube if you would. You get to see this. And the, today is very much a, a visual day because you want to see the draft board. It's the one that I've put together. I do it every year based on all the data that comes in and all the reviews. We're going to go through it. Chris is going to get uh, drop some bombs on it and see if it'll hold up. I, I hope I put together a good board this year. We'll see. A uh, lot to go over there. But there's also a bit of news we're going to cover as well because this is the chief show that you want to be on. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics and Performance Consulting, home of the Athletic Matrix and the RAPC draft guide. You can get that right now at rogueapc.com. But if you do use that code Matrix because it'll get you a nice discount. And the guide Not itself, this. I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> the the board Play itself can, the board itself you can go get on NFL33.com. That one's unlocked and for free. It's the top post right there. And if you need even more, we'll break down film and everything at RGR football.
1: And I'm Chris Clark from Chiefs Corner, and I do want to say really quick, I'm not going to announce all of it right now, but I do have a new business I'm starting, uh, just started today. Uh, There will be more information coming on that very shortly, uh, but be looking for that in the future. Lots to talk about there. But I want to argue with you just a little bit before we even get to the news. Mm. I just like it because it feels like this is almost draft day and say what you want. And I know people hate it. I absolutely love that movie. It gets me in the mood every year for it to be ready for the draft every year. Watched it already, probably going to watch it again. Uh, but it really does feel like it's almost draft day at this point. Obviously it's just a couple days away at this point, uh, but you can almost feel the tension right now.
0: So let's, let's have a bit of fun then since you bring it up. Um, because I don't really like pancakes that much. But who, <laughs> if you're putting us in roles, who, who do I have to – am I Dennis Leary in that movie? Oh,
1: man, if I'm Kevin Costner, yeah, I would think you'd have to be Dennis Leary.
0: <laughs> I can live with that. Run the damn ball. Let's go. Okay.
1: Yeah. Yeah, the that actually really fits you. So, I mean, to be fair, that really fits you.
0: Yeah, hey, sometimes. Running the ball is the topic of the day as well. Uh, we are going to get to the board here pretty quick, but some news uh, dropping here uh, as we get ready to record about uh, supposed interest from the Kansas City Chiefs in a first-round running back, a guy that I have very high on my board. We'll talk about where he is, but it's not the name that you're thinking of. Everybody in the world wants uh, Bijan Robinson because he's the most well-rounded back, the most like fully-formed pro-ready guy in this draft. But there's 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 just a glaring similarity for another prospect in this draft. It happens to be my RB too. That just I think it's a little too easy. I think it's smoke that Jamar Gibbs might be on the Chiefs' radar in the first round because it's just too glaring a, a comparison to a guy that used to be in this city before. Uh, I I want to know your thoughts. How does Jamar Gibbs, in your opinion, uh, uh, compare to Jamal Charles? It's just it's just too much. That's a huge
1: comparison, and I think that that is troubling to uh, – I don't even want to touch on it, to be completely <laughs> honest. When I first read that report, I kind of got pissed if I'm going to be completely clear and honest about it because uh, say what you want about draft next and say what you want about media, but you know, Peter King was one of the first guys that announced Kansas City was going to be going after Mahomes. Like, there was no real smoke. There was no real fire. They brought him in for a visit, but you know, there wasn't much made of it. But he was one of the first guys to come out and say, Kansas City's trying to make a move to get up the board. And then it came out that it's Mahomes. He knows things about the Chiefs because he's connected in in the organization. So when he says something, I tend to listen. Mm -hmm. Uh, And especially when it comes to Kansas City. And maybe this is just smoke before the draft. I'd be kind of pissed if they traded up to go get a running back of all positions. Because I think they have bigger needs. Uh, But... You know, as it is with all draft picks, when you look at what happened with uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, when you start looking at going up and trading for a running back, it's got to be somebody that can be a perennial all-pro on a regular basis. I mean, you can't just get a guy that is going to be a starter. You have to get a perennial all-pro. And quite frankly, it doesn't make sense because of uh, Pacheco as well.
0: I, I can't argue with you on any of those points. I will say this: Jameer and Jamal, and yes, guys, I will probably mix up their vowel pronunciations here uh, over the next uh, fifteen minutes. But Jameer and Jamal, they do have striking similarities. Jamal Charles is my comp for Jameer Gibbs, so I can understand the connection there. The question becomes for me is whether it's whether it's Peter King or whether it's Albert Breer. Is this is this bonafide? Is this hey? It's just too easy to make this comparison. I I, I wonder, because I would hope that the organization has learned their lesson from the Clyde Edwards draft selection and understanding that you have needs at three other significant positions. If they were to do this, they they would have to have a a clear and concrete vision of exactly as you said, that he has the ability to be an all-pro because you've gotten the investment back. You've proven to yourself that you can get – production from a seventh round pick you can do anything on day three I'm not not saying you can't take a fourth rounder but to take a first round pick in this selection in this draft I think is missing the mark in ways that I I don't think we're really prepared to deal with
1: well and the question I would have is is can he fill in in any other position can he go out and can he be a a wide receiver at times can he do that type of role no and I understand he can I'm just saying That makes it a little bit more palatable if he's able to do those types of things, because it gives you another weapon that you can kind of move in and out of the offense. And I also do think that this could be an evolution of what Reed is wanting to do. And and maybe what Matt Nagy, who I think is the head coach on waiting is wanting to do, because if you look at the offensive line, I think they're going to be able to run the ball better than they have in the past. And I'm not saying that they're going to try to make Patrick throw less, but if you have a very, very dominant type running game between Pacheco and, Gibbs, I could see how that could make this offense extremely hard to stop, period.
0: Well, the only thing that I can say this, and, and everyone listening, uh, if you if you for somehow just found us today, my name's Ryan Tracy, and I like the run game. Um, yep. <laughs> no one will be surprised about that if you've ever listened before. And for a guy who does want to emphasize and bring back the run game, at least in some some fashion, I'm not saying it has to be a 50-50 split or anything like that, but for a guy who does purport that, and I do feel that way, I do also feel that the running game is more important than the running back, because I think you can find talent at that position at an at any level. And so that's I think the the disparity for me is putting your eggs in that basket in the first round. I think it is still something that I wouldn't do it. I might be the biggest proponent of the run game in all of Kansas City. So, no, I think that's a fair point it just makes it difficult. And I will say this, if it were to happen, it will be because he has the ability to go outside and split out. And it will be because he has the home run hitting ability that reminds you of Jamal Charles. So I can understand that, but it also says, and this might be that the key here, it also syncs with what they're doing at the offensive line position. Juwan Taylor is a wide zone tackle. He can do that in his sleep and it's going away from the power oriented thing. And I do think that plays into Gibbs hands as well. So If it were to happen, I will still be probably disappointed a little bit just in terms of value, but it will make sense.
1: The one thing I got to say that we haven't talked about, and we were wanting to start talking about your board before the second (sighs) break, that's not going to happen at this point. But I will (laughs) say this the one that really makes me scratch my head even more than Gibbs is the talk about Osiris Swords. Is that, yeah, I say that, yeah, the guard.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Big guard from Florida, second on my board. I see not only Peter Skoronsky is the best offensive lineman in this class, I do have him as a guard. So, uh, Osiris is the third guard on my board. Steve Avila is above him. And I like, I, again, I do believe that pass set wise, uh, outside zone wise, I think Steve Avila is a little bit more adept in fitting in that scheme. Um, Torrance is powerful, and I do think he can run gap very, very well. Uh, um, he also can play in, in all schemes. I just like Avila a little bit better. But again, another position. In the first round, being a guard, I find that far-fetched.
1: Yeah, and especially if you're going to continue to have Tooney on this roster, unless you're thinking you're going to cut Tooney right after the draft, this move does not make any sense. And I'm not advocating for that. I want to be very clear. I'm not saying they need to cut Tooney. I'm just saying that this does not make sense for a move for them. And I get that he's a fringe first-round prospect in some people's eyes, which it would make sense if they stayed at 31 The guard just still doesn't make sense uh, because it's not a need. If it was a need, okay. Uh, And, yeah, it could be a need in 2024, but I don't think it's a need in 2023. And I don't think you take a first-round pick, especially at that position that's not going to basically be playing all season.
0: Yeah, I I have to agree. And they've had some some other visits lately that do fit the mold. So I think this is smoke. I I wouldn't agree with either of these selections. Quick question. Does he have the ability to play right tackle? I want to say that he's taken tackle snaps. I would have to go look him up, which I can do uh, here shortly. But I don't know that you're going to feel super comfortable with that either way. Just from his film, I don't think that I would do that. Chiefs may feel differently.
1: Well, that would be the only thing that would really kind of make sense to me in this scenario.
0: Okay. Well, so, that, so you're thinking uh, that he could can... be a multi-position player? Yeah,
1: potentially. again i'm not suggesting that they go and get this guy but we're just talking about what is being talked about today coming out from albert rear and peter king so when we get back we're going to go into ryan's board we'll talk a little bit more about gibbs we'll talk a little bit more about osiris as well but here is a word from our sponsors
0: by the way osiris is a right guard i went back three years of snaps and that is the absolute case and Uh, I may have bet on that if I was feeling kind of squirrely a minute ago, but eh, I wasn't quite there. But now I think I would. I would definitely look at baseball because right now, grand slams, no hitters, double plays, they're all back on the field right now. And you can get in the action uh, and get to the place where the MLB action lives. It's at FanDuel, America's number one sports book. And then right now, they're still giving new customers a no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000 if your first bet doesn't pay out. Just go to FanDuel.com slash on and sign up. When you place your first bet, you can get up to $1,000 in bonus bets if that doesn't win. Super simple. So don't miss your chance to get a no-sweat first bet for up to $1,000 in bonus bets right now at FanDuel.com. That's FanDuel.com slash on. To sign up today, FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the MLB, the NBA, and the NFL. Okay, so we covered a couple of guys there. Osiris is a traditional right guard. Um, I don't think we either of us would like either of those picks. So that said, where he exists on the board is right here uh, in the, the middle of uh, – top of the middle tier of the second round. I, on my board, you guys can get this for free at NFL33.com. You can also sign up and become a subscriber for all of our behind the paywall content as well, all of our true takes on all these prospects. Uh, you can check that out as well. But the way I do the board is I break the first and second rounds into tiers uh, in chunks of top 10, middle 12, bottom 10. And you can see, he's right at the top of that middle section for me, is Osiris Torrance. Steve Avila is right at the top of the second round. And Peter Skaronsky is it. Uh, the top of the middle tier of the first round. I still think he has a chance to go off the board first, but we'll find out with the with the offensive lineman. What stands out to you, and what do you want what, to – what do you have some quibbles with?
1: Interestingly enough, I actually also saw somebody say that uh, everybody thinks Paris Johnson could go top 10. So mm-hmm. uh, we'll I'll be interested to see how that turns out. Uh, you know, I started looking at this board. I think it's interesting you have Dewan Jones all the way at the bottom of your second round tier. Um, that is interesting to me uh darn all right is at the bottom of your first round which i think makes sense but uh, there's possibility if if they think that he could be the nfl is becoming so different than it, what it was 10 15 years ago where left tackle was the dominant tackle position you had to have somebody good there right tackle didn't matter as much you wanted a mauler that's not the case anymore no. you've got so many pass rushers you need a good guy on both sides if Darnold, if they feel like Darnold, right, and I'm not just talking about the Chiefs, I'm talking about the NFL in general. If they think he can be a perennial Pro Bowl or every single year, and perennial possible All Pro, maybe he is a guy that goes early in the first round or a lot earlier than we expected. Even Could though it be. is right tackle, not versus left, versus left. Sorry.
0: Yeah, no, I, I agree with your your designation there. I don't think right versus left is as meaningful as it used to be. Um, and this, by the way, folks, is my board based on my evaluations and what I would do. Where am I comfortable taking a prospect? DeJuan Jones is very much like Orlando Brown: super long, super big, not the best feet. He belongs in a specific offense, in my opinion. That is like Pittsburgh, Baltimore, Cincinnati. Uh, I would not be surprised for Cincinnati to to grab him to put with Orlando Brown because they're mirror images of each other. Uh, for me, I don't Which want. Sorry, go ahead. For me, I, I want the athlete, much like the Jawan Taylors, and that's who's prioritized on this board.
1: Yeah, which is also why Orlando Brown fits Cincinnati better than he fits Kansas City. Mm-hmm. They they don't mind having that guy that it doesn't have the feet that can get around. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Uh, the other interesting thing we didn't touch about on this, but it did sound like Kansas City, there's actually legitimate interest possibly in Zay Flowers. Maybe they'll move up and go get Zay Flowers. Uh, so that's a possibility as well. Uh now Boy, we talk about Zay, one. We've we've talked, talked about one. We've talked about Zay Flowers a lot, so I, I I think we needed to touch on Gibbs and, and the uh, Osiris Torrance because that's just out of left
0: field to me. <laughs> sure, sure. And I'm trying to zoom in, folks, for you on on YouTube so you can get a a good look at it. Um, I have Zay and Quentin Johnson in the second round. Um, I we he keep hearing more and more that more teams are less enamored with the wide receiver group uh, than I am. Um, My final board has Jordan Addison, number two. He was number one all the way up until about March. Um, And the confirmation of the speed being right about the same for JSN and Jordan Addison changed that. Zay Flowers is a size issue, and I think it's a role issue. Uh, I do think Quentin Johnson has a long way to go, and both JSN and Jordan Addison are better, more well-rounded, more capable pro receivers right now, and that's why they are where they are. But the interesting thing for me is below Zay.
1: Yeah, but to be clear though, on both Johnston and on Flowers, if you pick him in the low 20s or in, you know, in the 30s, like you are, that's not, you know, we've said this many times, that's not a horrible selection. Uh, obviously you have Johnston as being a top of the second round type guy. So that means that you know, bottom of the first round really makes a lot of sense. Say Flowers is pretty close there, it looks like. So in the same breath, I mean, in a sense, if and this is the other thing I've been reading this week and, and looking at it in a lot of different ways. Uh, There's a lot of teams that seem like, from what media is saying, think that there's only maybe 15 players that have first-round grades in this class, and that the top of the first round is very, very thin. So you could see situations where – and that actually could play in Kansas City's favor. Mm -hmm. If they like one of those guys and they want to pay to go get one of those guys if somebody else doesn't like them, maybe they have the ability to get up for – Less than what it would normally take because they don't want to draft, you know, the other team doesn't want to draft somebody in the first round that they don't have a first round or second round grade on.
0: Agreed. Agreed. And I was feeling a little bit, uh, you know, generous here. I ended up with 19 first round grades. I could easily bump Brian Branch into the top of the second. And uh, I did pull Bijan into the top of the second just because I-, I won't take a first round running back. That's what a reflection on me, not on Bijan. He's still the best back in here. And in terms of uh, absolute football player, he's a top 10 talent. I just can't justify the cost and the risk. That's okay. So what I I do want to point out here, though, is beyond Zay Flowers and Quentin Johnson, I do think this group right here in the third round, the the tail end of second in through the third round is going to be the sweet spot. Um, Overall, I have, what, 42 second-round grades and 38 third-round grades. Uh, Interestingly enough, it does go back up, 41 fourth-rounders. Um by my system. And I, and I am pretty comfortable with that. But for this group, Jalen Hyatt, I think, I, I love Rasheed Rice, and he's shown that he can do a lot of things. He just doesn't do it consistently. Whereas Jalen Hyatt can do one thing really consistently, and he's going to give you that deep threat. Tillman, Perry, Downs, they're in order for me uh, based on the way that I think they can fit into an offense and bring something to it. Mingo's really close to them. He was just above Josh Downs. Uh, until late in the process as well. And then you have Mims and Reed. Tyler Scott, somebody we don't talk enough about, but I do think that he is a legitimate wide receiver option.
1: Yeah. And I think I've seen Kansas City possibly be interested in him and not necessarily bringing him in for a visit, but maybe talking to him in a pro day or talking to him at the combine. But mm-hmm. I, you know, I I really wanted to go after J, uh, Jonathan Mingo in the last mock draft. It wasn't able to get it done. I got AT Perry instead, which obviously, as you're sitting here showing us this, you have A.T. Perry above Mingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, teams, obviously, are going to have them in different places. But the other thing that really is going to be interesting in my mind is Mingo and like Johnston, I think there's a ton of. You have the ability to, to say, OK, this guy could be something special because of this trade, this trade, this trade. But he still struggles. He's going to need to be developed. I think Mingo is close to that, but he's not on the same level. But you would have to take Johnson in the first. Maybe you could get Mango in the third. Mm -hmm. Is there the ability to do something like that and get a guy in the third that is going to be very close to that guy that you were going to maybe have to trade up and go get? Because I'm not so sure Johnson is is still there at 31.
0: Could be. Like you said, with that few, if, if teams really have only 15 grades, there's there's 16 teams <laughs> that could have to be making a selection that they don't agree with and they can't trade out of. And unfortunately, that could be something that happens to the Kansas City Chiefs as well. Could be
1: more teams, to be quite honest, if if you know they have different players. I, it, it's gonna be interesting. I think that this draft, and the fun part is everything I keep reading, everything that keeps coming out from media and I know it's a lot of smoke and mirrors this time of year, but I do really believe that this is probably true with a Draft that they don't feel is top heavy, and what you're showing on your board specifically is you have what 40 almost 40 guys in every round for the next three rounds after the first round. Yep, that means having those second, third, and fourth round picks are going to be extremely valuable because you can get talents that are worth those that value versus getting a guy in the first round. So, is somebody that's going to be picking at 17 and 18 thinking, Oh, well, maybe we can trade back and get an extra third. And that'll put us in a position where, or, you know, an extra third and a fourth. And that'll put us in a position where we can go get two guys that we really feel comfortable with at that position versus the first round pick. I'm yeah. looking at you, Detroit. Uh, <laughs> specifically, that's who I used last, last night, but it, it goes back to, you know, what we talked about. If there's only 15 players in this first round for most teams, I, I do think that you could see a lot of trades at the back end, back into the first round and teams always take players that, that, no other team is really going to take. The Rangers have done it multiple times. We've seen it for multiple different teams. So it's also possible that you're still sitting there at 17 and 18 with most of your 15 gone, but maybe one or two less.
0: Yeah, it's certainly possible. And the nice thing for the Chiefs is if they do want to move up, there should be a number of teams looking to move out. Yep. Does that drive the price down? Can they do that more affordably? And that's the exciting part. So as much as I can well, say, yes, it, it, the way this stacks out, there's more value later that they can go back for. They can certainly move up, I think, cheaper than maybe the last couple of years.
1: And that was another thing I've I've been seeing, is that there's a lot of people that have been saying Veach has been calling to, to look into trading up. That's They're one of the few teams that seem to be looking to trade up, which makes a ton of sense for Kansas City's needs and makes a ton of sense for Brett Veach in general.
0: Yeah. I mean, when everybody's zigging, why don't you zag? Yep.
1: Attack with the draft is, is, as he always wants to. But when we get back, we have a lot more to talk about about this draft board.
0: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp to give you an edge on on learning about yourself and getting everything that you need to make yourself better and get through the next hurdle a little bit easier. Uh, It's a lifelong process and we all have to go through it. And BetterHelp is there to make it easier for you. If you're thinking about starting therapy, let me tell you, give BetterHelp a try because it's entirely online. It sets you up to not have it take over your life, but become part of your life and part of your process. You can get just about anything done. It's convenient, it's flexible, and it's suited to your schedule. They'll give you a, a brief questionnaire, get you matched up with a licensed therapist uh, that, that matches what you're looking for. Uh, maybe it's a specialty, maybe it's just personality. We'll see how that comes together. If you don't get along or you don't feel comfortable, you can switch therapists at any time at no charge whatsoever. This is not a single path. This is getting the best for you in your process. You can discover your potential with better help. That's better help dot com slash locked on right now and you get 10% off your first month right now that's better h e l p dot com slash locked on go check it out all right so you got you got issues with anything you got questions that you're like ah eh, you might be cracked right
1: I, I just think it's crazy. The tight end class seems to be all over the board, quite frankly. Um, mm-hmm. Everybody seems to have a different opinion. I mean, it, uh, everything I've read says that this is one of the d- deepest tight end drafts uh, in years. And But everybody has everybody all over the board. I mean, some people have Darnell Washington as possibly sneaking into the first round. Right. Uh, you have him as, as a third-round pick. Um, I've I've seen that Kansas City could be – or. Maybe not Kansas City. I've seen other people could be interested in maybe Sam Laporta instead of Darnell Washington earlier on. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different questions about the tight end class. I think that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out overall. Um, but you start looking at your board, and I do find it interesting, and I didn't notice this
0: until just now, you have
1: Tyree Wilson under Miles Murphy and
0: Noel Smith. I do. Um, And I'm glad you brought him up or or one of the other guys. For those of you that are on YouTube or those of you that have downloaded the board already, the red dots uh, are used in most systems around the NFL. A red dot means that there's a significant injury question or they haven't been involved in the draft process. Tyree Wilson has done absolutely zero in this draft process other than take interviews. He hasn't been able to test. He hasn't been able to perform. There was no combine. There's no anything. And I think that that is a risk. So I've dropped him down below guys that I know are ready to go, even though Nolan Smith is coming off of a peck issue. Um, and Miles Murphy wasn't able to work out until very late in the process. They're both farther along than Tyree Wilson is. And I think that bothers me a little bit paired with the fact that Tyree Wilson is an elite physical specimen, both size and length and his ability to get off the ball. I wish he was a little more twitchy, but he comes off the ball well. He fits Steve Spagnuolo. He's a perfect fit. So maybe I'm I'm saying, hey, you know, there's some question marks. Maybe he should be down the bottom where the Chiefs could reach him. I could be wrong. But, you know, if it worked out that way, I think a 31st pick is well worth the risk here. But I don't want to lay off on the significant risk that is injury. And there are a number of guys in this class. Dalton Kincaid's in the same situation. Uh, Hennon hooker is in the same situation. I do have him as a first round pick. Um, he's been number three on my board for about six months and I feel better and better about it as, as other sources are coming out and agreeing with me. Same thing with Mozzie Smith, Andrew Voorhees. These are significant players that have significant injury his- issue. There are a couple other players that I do want to point out as well that have maybe a little bit less. So, um, like, like DeWan Jones who opted out of a lot of testing and opted out of day two and three of the senior bowl. Um, that's what the asterisk on this board mean is that we don't know of a, of an injury, but he hasn't participated in the full process to get to this draft by choice. And I, I like to highlight that as well.
1: Yeah. And I was going to point out uh Smith. I think that's a good call out on your part. I do think it's interesting. A lot of, a lot of mock drafts I've seen has had Kalajic Hansi in the first round. Yes. You have him as a low second-round pick. But I think the most interesting thing to me about him is it's been reported by multiple different sources. He took no top 30 visits at all. Agreed.
0: A couple of reasons for that. He's an elite, at his position, athlete. And his film is very straightforward. He busts gaps. He attacks. He's great at providing pressure. But he's significantly undersized. And so I think teams haven't had to really go to the 30-visit aspect of it because I think they got what they want on film. They saw the testing. I think most of them had come to a decision prior based on his film. And I just feel that, again, this is this is me protecting the floor of a prospect rather than going for the ceiling. He could be the next Aaron Donald. Too many people make that that connection because of the uniform that they both wore. I am trying to make sure that I don't get caught up in that, and I'm trying to project the ceiling here, especially in a group that there are a lot in the defensive interior and the defensive edge that are significant projections, including Tyree Wilson, including guys like Lucas Van Ness, who's never started a ball game at Iowa. There are a number of guys that are more projection than normal. Um, You can see Tommy Adeware, who I really do like for Kansas City, is down in the third round for the same exact reason. He was a fourth-round prospect coming off the season it wasn't until testing and the senior bowl that he started to rise and I think at the end of the day we have to take that for what it's worth but we can't overvalue that and particularly in the defensive line group this year I'm trying to stay true to the floors rather than the ceilings
1: yeah and the interesting thing on in my mind when it comes to cancer is if nobody's taking top 30 visits maybe they've already made up their minds on him is he going to be somebody that they're going to go out and get in the first round Cause I've seen a ton of mock drafts where he's a first round talent and you, and I'm not arguing with you having him in the bottom of the second. All I'm saying is if they think he's going to be a first round talent, that doesn't make sense that you're not going to have a top 30 Because I think you'd still want to have that kind of, that kind of dialogue with the player. I mean, yeah, you can do a lot of that over the phone and zoom and all that, but I'm just surprised.
0: You could be absolutely right. And somebody may be willing to take the risk I'm I'm a bit risk averse in this class overall because I think as a class, 2023 is not as good as 2022, 2020. I I think going back, uh, I want to limit risk in this particular group.
1: Makes a lot of sense. And then you start looking at the rest of the guys. Uh, You know, Blake Freeland is a guy that you could possibly look be looking at if you don't pick a tackle early on. I think that could make a lot of sense, especially considering he went to BYU. Uh, Imagine (laughs) that with with uh, Andy Reid. Uh, booty is another one where you start looking at some of the guys that are down there. Uh, booty had a fantastic or had, uh, he was a high, uh, profile player. I guess that's the best way to put it. Mm -hmm. Uh, but he didn't test very well, but the thing that he, he, another thing he has going for him is he's 20 years old. There's a couple of players in this draft that are extremely young that can be growing into their bodies and into getting into an NFL uniform.
0: And, and I know some of you out there are saying, Brian, you, you have a flag for off-field concerns. Why didn't you use it on Booty? And I will tell you that the honest truth is that corroboration is hard to find in Booty's situation. The back and forth declaring, undeclaring, declaring, like the whole thing around him is shrouded in somewhat of a mystery. And until I have concrete details, I, I wasn't going to put that flag on him. Um, so I let that ride with him as a, an average prospect without a red flag Um, If you guys disagree, please let us know in the comments. Um, I do want to get a significant feedback from everyone about how they feel about where their favorite prospects are. I think favoritism is something maybe gets leaned on in this draft class a little bit more than average.
1: And I do want to say this really quick. I want to give a shout out to Mike Renner. I think you did a fantastic job getting this information out there. That's why I got the Kayshawn Booty thing. Uh, draft prospects will be 20 years old on draft day, and I do think this makes a little bit of a difference when you start looking at these guys Anthony Richardson, Keandre Miller, Israel, Abin, Abin, yeah, Kayshawn Booty, Tuli, Tua, Palutu, man, some of these <laughs> <Tui> names, <palutu. laughs> yeah, uh, Christian Gonzalez, and Kelly Ringo. Uh, and then you've got offensive prospects that will be 24 or older as rookies. We'll leave as Hooker. Eric Gray, Charlie Jones, A.T. Perry, Tank Dell, Dalton Kincaid, Luke Schoonamaker, Steve Avila, Cody Mock, Chandler Zavala, John Michael Schmitz, and then defensive prospects who will be 24 or older, Will McDonald, Keon White, Yaya Diaby, Byron Young, Kobe Turner, Dayon Henley, and Marte Mapu. Or Mapu, I'm not sure how you pronounce that. I apologize. The reason I point all this out. At some positions, age doesn't matter as much. Mm-hmm. But you start getting to the skill position players and your edge-type players, which the first four and that defensive players that I named were edge players, that becomes a bigger issue.
0: It does. Explosiveness phase with age. We have to be real about that. The other and, thing that I'll point out guys, is...
1: I was just going to say, some of these guys are first-round picks, and you'd want a guy that's going to be there eight years. And some of these guys aren't going to be able to play that long.
0: Yeah, and that's that's part of the risk as well. The one position that I think exists outside of that entire scenario is quarterback, yep. and I do want to point out that I find it hilarious that everyone calls Hennon Hooker the old man of this draft class, and Will Levis is going to be 24 just like him. Yep. Are their dates the same? No, but nobody talks about Levis in that kind of key. Again, I don't think it matters for quarterback, and that's why I completely throw out that argument when it came to the quarterbacks in this class, but If I'm wrong, and Anthony Richardson and Will Levis go in the first round, I'm ecstatic because that means two more prospects drop down to the Kansas City Chiefs.
1: Yep. Yeah, and there's a lot of questions as to how many QBs are going to be going in the first round. And the other question is, is if Houston doesn't take a QB, where does C.J. Stroud go? Because the thought is that Bryce Young is going to be the number one pick.
0: Yep. Uh, Bryce has been at the top of the quarterback list for me uh, since week three of last season. And I do update it weekly through the season. Um, he is number two overall, just behind his teammate, Will Anderson, for me. Um, so, I mean, kudos to Nick Saban. It's like he gets the best recruits and he does the best job with them. So um, I think that's something they can lean on, too. Maybe maybe you question some of the DBs, uh, but certainly a quarterback and, and edge rush. I think I'm pretty comfortable.
1: Well, that's going to be it for us today. Thank you all for listening and watching. We do appreciate all the new everydayers we have and all of you that have been here for what is this, six, seven years that we've been doing this show? And (sighs) there's going to be a ton of content coming this weekend, so please be on the lookout for that. We're going to be inundating everybody with content because this is our time of year where we have a lot of fun. Uh, I think we both enjoy covering the draft. Obviously, you're more into it than I am, but I love talking about it and I love watching it, so it's going to be a lot of fun in that regard.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well. We would love to know your opinions on this draft board, especially if you go download it at NFL33.com, and it's not too late to grab the draft guide from Rogue APC, and that will give you background and context around a lot of these guys, give you their production, their athleticism, combined uh, with a ton of actual significant write-ups on, based on film only, and that's, I think, for Canty, somebody that you want to take a look at. So... Thank you for spending your time with us today. Matt, Derek, will be back tomorrow. We will have streams for the draft. Lots coming for that. I will be on the ground in Kansas City. Uh, There will be an undisclosed uh, environment until Wednesday night where I'll be. If anybody wants to come out and say hello, we'd love to see you. Uh, I don't know where that is yet, but we're going to figure that out, and I'll put it on social media, maybe even drop a little extra uh, episode here. So we appreciate your time. It's almost here. It's getting closer every minute enjoy the NFL draft and we'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Now we'll talk to you then.